Welcome to the Clinical Crosstalk Podcast, the podcast that connects healthcare providers and fitness professionals to create an interdisciplinary open dialogue. Our aim is to help professionals learn from other disciplines so they can grow in their own field. I'm your host, Nate Reynolds, an orthopedic physical therapy specialist from beautiful upstate New York. So welcome to this week's episode. I'm talking with Matt Vincent. Matt Vincent is the director of CrossFit uh, trainer and development at Nova Fitness in Rochester, New York. So welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. So Matt, give me a little bit more about your uh, background, kind of where you grew up, kind of what brought you to, you know, the Rochester area, what got you into CrossFit? I grew up in a town called uh, West Winfield, New York, which is small town, uh, like literally less than a thousand people probably in my town. And our high school was a little bit bigger, but it was made up of all the surrounding small towns put together for one high school. Farming, dairy farming, milking cows is, you know, the whole nine yard driving tractors, baling hay. I went to school at SUNY Brockport just because uh, they had a football team more or less and good, good affordable tuition. Um, so I played some ball there. I graduated uh, with a degree in health science on a concentration where I worked in alcohol and substance abuse counseling for a couple of years. After doing that for a while, I kind of, I was doing some personal training part-time to uh, make extra money. Long, lo and behold, I mean, the, the counseling and drug addiction field has a lot of burnout and I definitely went through that phase. It's just a very difficult field to work in with a lot of people or the type of people you work in, the problems you face. The... So I kind of burned out of that more or less a short story. But I was personal training so much, it almost, I was almost doing it as a second full-time job. And it was an easy transition. Well, I eh, shouldn't say easy, but it was a quick transition to go from, you know, counseling to just full-time personal training. The day I left, uh, you know, the office I worked at, I just was like, yep, I'm going to go be a trainer. So I left on a Friday and then Monday morning, I showed up full-time trainer mode and been doing that now about 10 years and I think September of this year will be 10 years. And then, so you were a personal trainer and then what kind of piqued your interest with like CrossFit? Oh yeah, so I had had some exposure. So first gym I was a personal trainer at, there was like a CrossFit gym in it and I didn't know it at the time, but the guy running it was not doing a good job. He really didn't have good like structure in his program. Didn't really have the greatest uh, people skills either. So like I got a really bad experience, put a bad taste in my mouth and CrossFit. So I was just personal training. I was into the bodybuilding thing. I did some strongman competitions, stuff like that. But I did like the workouts that I had done in CrossFit. So I was interested in getting back to it. And I was talking to another friend one time at a gym. He owns a different gym that I was personal training at. And uh, I was telling him, hey, there's this new uh, CrossFit gym I heard about, uh, which is still around, CrossFit Park Ave. They're a good gym. Uh, I was like, I think I'm going to go try there. And this is like, I don't know, like seven years ago or eight years ago. And, uh, as, and I was telling his friend Zach. And all of a sudden, Kevin, who's the owner here, just kind of stepped up because he was sitting on the other side of the counter. He's like, oh, you like CrossFit? And he just slipped me his business card. And I was like, oh, cool, man, thanks. I just, I'd seen him at the gym doing some personal training too. Uh, long story short, I just went over a few times, you know, became a member for a while. So I was still personal training as my full-time job. But then I was like taking classes, doing CrossFit at Nova for a while. Eventually Kevin approached me a couple of times about, hey, would you be interested in coaching? Would you be interested in doing some personal training? And I initially was said no, because, uh, I didn't really want to work for anyone ever again. I kind of got very comfortable working for myself um, and like didn't want to have to like report on time or just 
I don't know, I had a thing about working for someone else. But like at the gym, I had noticed like, wow, some of these coaches are really good. I'm learning so much just from taking the classes. Like, I think I could learn more if I spent more time like, with them, like pick their brains, go to staff meetings or whatever. I didn't know what they were doing at the time. And so I actually said, yeah, and, uh, I want to just learn more. And then not too long into that, several of the coaches that I was like, oh, I want to get to know this coach more. I want to learn from like had moved it out. One guy went to moved moved away, went to another gym. Another girl graduated. She moved to Boston. And then somebody else, he started, he started a different business, moved to Ohio. And before you know it, it was like, I ended up somehow almost being the senior coach there or the old, like the most experienced coach there. And I was like, oh crap, but it was going well. And Kevin and I, you know, I kind of had a couple conversations where like, we really wanted to grow the program. We wanted to do a better job. And I, from what I had seen, I was like, these, these people are great. The members are great. Like, I think Kevin has nothing but most genuine, honest intentions, like in the business and like no ego about things. And so I just said, Hey, let's like try to do this business better. Let's learn everything I can do everything we can to make our experience for our members, our facility as good as possible. And that is a very summed up short story of how I got into CrossFit because we've been doing it now. I've been part of Nova for six years, I think since 2015. Yeah, that's six years. I mean, five years plus a pandemic year. So yeah. we'll get five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Which that pandemic year might've, uh, I might've learned more about the business of CrossFit and as a trainer than some of the other years, you know, it's funny where you learn not doing what you want to do. <laughs> I guess my next question um, is now that you've been a coach for, you know, six years, you know, what, what have you learned? Uh, you know, what are some things that you think make a good coach, you know, a good teacher? I think that's a question that has like, there are layers to it. So I can kind of give you some, like each of the things I'll say, like we could go down a rabbit hole of the different topics. But if I were to sum up, like, how do you know if you're a good coach? You know, I'd break it into six things, you know, teaching, uh, seeing, correcting, demonstration, uh, group management skills, and then like a presence and attitude. That's how we break it down here. We have a thing written on the back wall of the office and it's the constant question, you know, are you a good coach? And the way we answer that is by evaluating, you know, those, the kind of that six criteria, you know, obviously teaching being your ability to explain, you know, new information to someone and have them understand it. Then the ability to see, especially like when you're coaching classes or individual clients, you know, evaluate their movements, see what is going right, see what is going wrong, differentiate the two, you know, see the cause and effect of things and movement. Then correcting, you know, helping that person understand what's going on and then how they can correct it as quick as possible. Um, I think those are two separate skills, seeing and correcting. Some people can see what's happening, but not know what to do about it and vice versa. Somebody will know what to do they don't always see it live in action. They have to like see it on a video and replay it. Um, demonstration. Normally I actually don't mean it in the sense of like you sitting there and demoing how to do a squat. I think demonstration goes a little deeper, like in how you live your lifestyle and how you coach like, um, you know, the way you eat is a piece of, you know, how you live your lifestyle. If you're a coach who preaches, eat healthy, do this, do that but really you're just the genetic anomaly and you party on the weekends, you eat ice cream for dinner and you just happen to be one of that 1% who has abs for no reason. You know, I don't think that's a demonstration. Um, also, I think little things like, you know, warm your clients up, warm your classes up, 
the way you warm up, you know, um, do the workouts that you get other people to do. You know, why would you train somebody? I mean, not everyone should train the exact same way, but broad stroke in it here, you should demonstrate, you know, the lifestyle and the training methodologies that you put on people. Um, group management is just like kind of organization of running classes or even like just how you logistically plan out how you're going to train a client in a gym. Sometimes kind of, kind of obvious there, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but then uh, the presence and attitude is just what it sounds like, you know, the, your engagement with your clients, um, you know, the enthusiasm you bring to it, the energy, the, you know, the encouragement, the intensity. I was going to say, I think those are great. You know, I think, you know, especially like the demonstration, you know, I, I think in the healthcare field, like one of the things that I'm going to say, like really grinds my gears is the amount of people like, and I'm, I'll throw my own profession under the bus, you know, like the people that don't know how to squat that are physical therapists or like don't exercise. And they're the ones teaching people how to, you know, quote unquote, move better. It's kind of frustrating. You, you can see why people, you know, don't value what we do because there, I, I feel like there's just so many people that don't know how to teach, you know, a proper movement. And I think I kind of talked, or I kind of mentioned this and kind of the, the pre-interview is that I feel like we don't do a good job in PT school or even talking with Sarah and Mike who own Pinnacle Hill Chiropractic. We don't really get, you know, the foundation to really teach movement. We're so kind of stuck in the books. We don't really practice what we preach first off. And then we don't actually know how to teach actual good movement. And that gets pretty, fr- that can be frustrating uh, if you're trying to be someone who's more cutting edge and kind of changing how things are done. I think someone told me a while back, like your clients will always fall just a little bit short of whatever you're able to achieve. So if you'd really care about your clients and you really want to help them, you have to really push yourself above and beyond, you know, in, you know, at least in the physical health and, you know, maybe even performance setting, because if you're just letting yourself slack off, if you don't take care of your health, if you, if you don't work on everything from mobility to, the way you eat and sleep and um, your clients, whether even if you're preaching, you know, all the right things, they'll know, they'll know what they can and can't get away with. Um, and I, sometimes I swear it happens like by like osmosis, like when I'm eating better, when I'm working out, doing all the little things better, I feel like it's easier to just have that same conversation with, with clients to just tell them directly what they need to hear, not what makes them feel good, you know, tell them the truth. But then also if you're, you know, if I'm not doing things well, if I'm maybe a little out of practice or getting complacent, I find it like, oh, I catch myself in conversations where I feel a little hypocritical, like giving what I know is good advice, but I'm not doing myself. And then I feel like, oh, yeah, you know, you really need to, you know, have vest- you know, you should probably have vegetables every meal or whatever tip you're giving. And then in my head, I'm like, I don't even do that. Like, I kind of feel like it feels dirty to say or like hypocritical, but when you do all the demonstration stuff, it's very easy to have those conversations, even when it's hard for them to hear. Like there are times where I've told, I had to have a conversation with a client or a member that like they're gaining weight. They don't look very good. And I asked them, you know, is everything okay? Like you're, you know, you you seemed a little off. And then they're like, oh yeah, well, kind of. And I'm eating too much or drinking too much. And I'm like, well, it's starting to show. 
and that's like bold to say right like that could hurt someone's feelings but i'm also like well you are paying me to help you be healthy or help kind of guide you and sometimes if you don't realize it because the person you're paying doesn't even help you acknowledge like maybe the reality you can really slip off an edge to a point where you know you're you're working out every day but you're getting less healthy i think so anyway that's kind of a long dive into when you're doing demonstration really well it is much easier to have some of those more difficult conversations i find and um or at least you say it, you know, which is your honest opinion and you feel good about it. <laughs> they always listen. I don't know, but I mean, it's a lot easier to be honest and give people information that really could potentially help them versus just kind of feel good stuff sometimes. Yeah. I think we kind of like, as a society, we're not very good at giving people like direct feedback and you kind of want to be pat on the back, but you don't want to be like, you don't want to get pat on the ass. You don't like be like, this is what you need to do better. Um, yeah. And I think to bridge back to like one of your other points, you know, that, like the osmosis, I think that's one of the best things about like the CrossFit community is that you kind of hold each other accountable. Like, I mean, like how many times, you know, if you look on like the Nova Instagram and you see people like posting their meals, you know, like you're posting your steaks and I'm like, that looks good. I want to, and then I bought a steak, you know, Monday night and grilled it, you know, clearly didn't feel me this morning, but that's a different story. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot goes into it. One steak's not going to make or break it. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And that's kind of stuff, you know, when we're talking about like, what's my job title, uh, like that kind of development in our community is what I'm aiming to improve all the time. You know, um, sometimes the people that are regularly sharing their, ma- their vegetable meals or their, you know, their lean meat and all, all the good stuff that they're eating. Well, when you look at them in the gym, they probably a lot of times are people who look pretty good or, who have made significant improvements. Sometimes the people that don't make any changes or don't feel any better are, you know, the people that are, are probably not showing off a little bit. I think it's good to kind of in the positive way, show off a little bit of the healthy habits you have. Um, and, and kind of when people start to make those changes, say like, uh, you know, I haven't really been into eating healthy or tracking the food, but I need to lose weight or I want to lose weight. First couple of times you start to, Hey, look at this meal I made. It's so healthy and good. People you know, give encouragement, you know, they say high five to that meal or, Oh, that looks so delicious. And then that I've seen, you know, that person feels pretty good about it. They want to do it again. They show up the next healthy meal and it becomes kind of a habit. Ideally. The next kind of conversation I want to kind of have is kind of talking about some of your programming. I think since I've joined the gym, I think it's been probably a month and a half now. I think yeah, at least. Yeah. I think I started June, early June, maybe May. I don't know. Anyway, the, my point being was that I think that the programming that you've instilled in, in Nova has been pretty thorough. I feel like you do a good job, you know, warming people up, kind of adding that variety. Uh, so I kind of want to know more what kind of goes into your programming, you know, how you kind of come up with some s- simple principles that you like to follow, you know, and how do you kind of try to keep it interesting I guess if we're talking about like principles that we follow, let's assume like in the best case scenario, everyone is doing their nutrition, right? They're eating healthy. They're eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meats, hydrating well, sleeping well at night. Those are things that we try to encourage. We try to supply all the information for, but we can't really do for you. So let's assume that, because I do think that's the most important thing. We try to instill that in our community. 
after that, you know, the first thing I think is probably the most important thing uh, to improve about people's health is just their general aerobic endurance, you know, conditioning, uh, their metabolic conditioning, their body's ability to turn calories into energy and use them. So like kind of before you worry too much about lifting crazy heavy weights, you should just be able to move for different periods of time, you know, consistently. Some people can come in and like blaze through the warm up. They do pretty good. And then they'll, you know, get into a workout and they pick weight that's too heavy because they're trying, you know, they they're, think they're strong and they're, or they'll run hard the first round and they just burn themselves out because they don't really have that endurance. Well, when you're missing those pieces, like when you don't, when you're not able to work at different durations without stopping or you burn yourself out, it's also a sign that, you know, your heart, your lungs isn't getting like oxygen to the other parts of your muscles, you know, your body. So if you can improve that kind of aerobic conditioning first, or it's not even aerobic all the time, but anyway, just your body's ability to get oxygen to your muscles, your, the rest of your body. Uh, that's the first thing that's healthy, healthier. Then from there, you know, we typically try to help people improve just the basic movement, your ability to move your own body through space. Can you squat all the way down with no assistance or not holding on to anything under your own body weight? Can you lunge with one leg? Can you step up with one leg? Can, can you reach your both hands overhead easily? Can you hang on your own body weight? Even if you can't do a pull-up, can you just hold your body weight up in the air? Um, so things like that. Now, the different types of workouts we do include those different things, you know, but then if, you know, let's assume you have a pretty good endurance, you're starting to build up your endurance, you're moving your own body weight through space, then you can really kind of focus a little more on the weightlifting strength stuff, you know, the, the fun, sexy Instagram worthy stuff, you know, I don't think air squats are super impressive uh, to everyone online, but if they're done well consistently, they make all the weightlifting of, you know, all the heavy loaded squats, um, move a lot better, have a lot more success, not have as much injury. So when we're programming workouts, and you talked a little bit about how you like the warmups earlier, where that's part of it. So like when we're talking about moving your own body through space, you'll notice in some of our warmups, we do a lot of the same stretches regularly because they're really effective at helping opening up, you know, the hips, you know, getting your groin, hip flexors, lower back you know, stretched out, able to move better. You know, there's several shoulder stretches or movement patterns we do such with regularity that people who come in who can't lift their arm over their head, they're like, eh, you know, versus way back. Just by repeating a lot of the regular stretching and warm-up that we do sometimes, you start to see people all of a sudden, what used to be here is now here, and then eventually it's here, and things like that. So sometimes if people come in, when they first start with us, they're not able to do an air squat without their heels coming off the ground, tipping forward, or their butt going below parallel even, with no weight on. And so we've noticed that by keeping like some of our stretching routines or warm-up routines or cool-down routines like consistent, that improves some of those pieces right there. And I think if you can bend under your own body weight well, like late into life, you've won. But it doesn't happen if you don't start those practices much, much earlier. You know what I mean? So... Within and that's so we got the warm ups, and then when it comes to the other types of programming, like you know, we'll do weightlifting, we'll do endurance stuff, we'll do everything that's three minutes workouts that are three minutes long, and then you'll rest three minutes and repeat three minutes, and then we'll do workouts that are 40 minutes long, and you just grind the whole way through for 40 minutes and everything in between. Um, within the context of those, you'll see things from single leg body weight lunges to weighted single leg box step ups to running, deadlifting, squatting, uh, 
mixed in, not at random, like some people might think, but with enough variety that you're getting a lot of single leg work, for example, what I was just saying, but you're not doing the same single leg work week to week. Does that make sense? So like, although one week we're doing weighted body weight lunges, the next week we're doing single leg box step ups. So people are still getting work on a single leg, but it's a different exercise. So, you know, we might do some running workout one week and the distances could be short, but the overall volume accumulated could be two miles. The following week, we might also be running where the distances are doubled, but the overall volume is still two miles. And so we mix up the patterns, but we allow our membership to get enough regular exposure to each of the different movements and different workouts. So they're continually developed. Some people think that CrossFit is just like done at random because the workouts are so much different week to week. But there's a lot more that goes into it, if that makes if that makes sense. Let me know if I'm making sense here. No, it makes sense. I mean, I think you just look at, you know, the kind of the breakdown of the, the CrossFit programming, right? Like, and I think one of the, the intent is to kind of get rid of those fringe athletes, right? The people that, the endurance runner that when, you know, when they, when you have those running workouts, they're really good at that. But if you had any strength, they're really bad at it or like the power lifters that can't run. So like, you're trying to be good at whatever is, it's like the hopper, right? Like yeah. you want to be good at whatever is thrown at you. Like as CrossFit athletes, we're never like the best at anything, but we're pretty competent at most things. I am not a really great Olympic lifter, but I'm, I can do a snatch or a clean and jerk well. Like it, it, I can do it competently. Now I don't move tons and tons of weight, I can't run like 10 Ks easily. I don't do marathon races, but I can run a few miles at any given moment, even when I'm tired, you know, I got enough in me, but I mean, plenty of runners at a 5k are going to dust me, but you know, the same thing with some of the other, you know, things, you know, I am not a good gymnast. I am not an elite person at pull-ups, but I can do pull-ups. And that's what I kind of, all those things is what I hope to kind of build into all our members. Like I don't, girl comes into the gym and she can't run around the block one time without stopping that's concerning but if she can get to the point where she runs a mile maybe not as fast as you know of somebody who's an actual runner who spends all their time running but she's able to run well and then come into the gym and do some weightlifting with quality and consistency um you know that's what i aim for more um I think there's a lot more long-term value in that. Like I think uh, too much of any one type of exercise really kind of burns up the body in one area or the other. I think exercise of any kind is still beneficial, but you spend your whole life running long, long, long distances. I don't know if that serves you in the long run as well as having a balance between that mobility program, strength program, you know, practicing different distance and different speeds and stuff like that. Yeah, in my experience, it's the a lot of people that I see in the clinic are people that, you know, they're over overuse injuries. And yep. you know, I always tell people that it's the the people that do yoga that need to get in the gym and it's the people that need that spend all their time in the gym that need to do yoga. And I feel like CrossFit CrossFit's like a perfect blend of that because if you're naturally someone that's pretty strong, 
um, and you're, you're kind of stiff, you're not very mobile, then like you're going to struggle with the gymnastics and, and that's going to be glaring when you do the gymnastics movement. And so like you really can't hide. And if you're someone that's really flexible and can do the gymnastics moves really well, then maybe you're going to struggle with some of the lifting, but you're going to know your flaws are there. Like you really can't cherry pick and kind of avoid the movements that you're not good at. So I feel like it, it kind of exploits the flaws and then you're always kind of working to address them. Yeah. And, and it kind of goes back to like, I think the body functions best when it has balance in all the areas, you know, like if you're as flexible as a snake and you can put your forehead to your knee, cool, I guess. Um, but I don't know where that serves you too much in real life. I believe there's lots of value in having your spine stay flexible and mobile throughout life. But if you're also, you know, like I said, you could touch your forehead, to your knee, but you can't like pick up a average size child without struggling like or like you can't care the cliche thing if you can't carry all your groceries in in one trip you might be a little bit on the weak side but also the same thing is just because if you can squat 500 pounds with on your back but you can't do an air squat your hips and body is not healthy like I, at least i don't believe so I, I don't know how you can rationalize that like what kind of person can't sit down on the ground yet can also squat 400 500 pounds like how, do, how would you define that as healthy uh, that's just kind of where i come from i don't want to and i don't want to beat on those sports i think powerlifting is awesome it's exciting and there's a lot of benefits to being strong i think yoga is very essential especially for athletes i think there's more people have been made healthy than they've ever been hurt by it but i just think sometimes things are taken to the extreme and i think crossfit's taken to the extreme in a lot like i understand that a lot of people can make money um to sport I think a lot of people sometimes working out becomes their only hobby or becomes their only source of like venting. So I even think CrossFit can be done way too much. I mean, you talk about overuse injuries. A lot of times people, they get certain types of injuries in CrossFit are the overuse injuries. And they're usually people who are pretty darn fit. Uh, at least from what I've seen, it's it, every once in a while, I guess somebody gets a little, little pull or a little strain that might not have, might've been pushing a little too hard for how fit they're at. But a lot of times it's the people that are actually quite fit that just don't rest. <laughs> um, but that's that's going down a rabbit hole. Sorry if I went off topic there. No, that, I mean, I think that's a perfect topic for me, you know, being a physical therapist. You know, like I think it was within my first month moving to Rochester, you know, I had a patient that she was a CrossFitter. I forget where she went. She did recourse a little bit. I think her, I think her gym closed down. But it was the same thing where like she was working out all throughout the all throughout the pandemic and she was just doing box jumps. She had hip impingement. So she was doing box jumps and you know, she was always getting on the rower and it's just a lot of repeated hip flexion that and that's kind of like what creates hip impingement is flexion, adduction, internal rotation. Don't need to know that, but like, but basically she wasn't resting. And so really, I just had to build her up from the foundation, you know, really work on her glutes, really where she's working on just stabilizing her hips. She was fun to work with because it was like everyone else had to like get motivated and her, I was like, I had to like kind of restrain her and like build her back up and be like, this is what you can do for your warm up. Avoid these ones. We'll introduce that in a little bit. She did great. You hit on the topic of rest there, which I think it, I think the more physically fit and the more advanced of a, well, to a degree, uh, of a person you are, let's say you're 
someone who can do all the movements and you're very strong, very fit, very fast, whatever you want, and you're doing CrossFit in particular, the better you are, the more important your rest days actually are because you have the potential, much more potential for those overuse injuries um, because you're able to do more volume, handle it, not only physically, but mentally. You know, sometimes like you can be super sore, super tired, and people will push through that feeling sore, feeling tired just to do another workout because like I mentioned, that's like what they like to do for a hobby. That's what makes them feel good. That's how they like to spend their time, which to a degree is probably a great thing. Um, but anything done too much goes down the road. So in our program, I recommend that no one don't do class more than five days a week. And well, you know, we have members who do, they'll do class five days a week, they'll say, and then they'll do their own stuff at home. And then they'll, they'll call it active recovery, but I don't like that term. I just think it, I've learned that it recently that it's just basically stress on the body. You're talking some of these people working six or seven days a week. And then you get those overuse injuries, forearm strains, calves or her foot, foot is got a problem, whatever you want to call it or back or, um, and so sometimes we worry about, Oh, the new, you know, people be worried because they're new to CrossFit or they're, you know, whatever they're new to working out. They worry about getting hurt coming in too many days a week. And I say, yeah, that's something to be careful of, mindful of, but I've seen it more with the more experienced people going above and beyond what we recommend and then they get hurt. So our program is kind of geared towards, Hey, three days a week would be a minimum to see noticeable results. Even if you don't have your nutrition and your, you know, your sleep and all those, you know, all those little things that are very, very important. If you don't have all those on point, I still think you can come in three days a week and get some pretty good results. You can start to make pretty good improvements on your health overall. Also, if you're someone who's in pretty darn good shape and life hits you a little bit or whatever reason, you can't train as often, but you're still able to get like three days a weekend, you can maintain your fitness fairly well for a period of time. Um, and then when you're a person who has, you know, you're getting your nutrition right, you're sleeping well, you're hydrating well, you're doing some maybe a little bit of stretching for just health purposes, extra, you're, you can start to go for five days a week. And potentially see some very great, you know, some very impressive results. But then if you start to go beyond that five days a week, like I mentioned before, that's when you start to see problems. Oh, my calf, my back, my neck, oh, something's off, something hurts. I got to get a chiropractic adjustment every week or my, or else I can't reach overhead or whatever their thing is. I'm like, you're probably just training too much. Your body needs downtime to heal. And, uh, it's, it's sometimes I've been told this by bodybuilding coaches. I've been told this by just people and they will tell you that if you're training hard, your rest will end up becoming more important than your training because you're already training hard. You're tearing down the muscle. You're roughing up the joints more or less. If you don't rest and recover, it's inevitable that you're going to hurt something to, and to which, yeah, how seriously or to, to what degree you get hurt case by case. Hopefully you're being coached well that your movements, even if you're doing too many of them are done with quality. <laughs> yeah. I think to your point, you know, if you don't rest, eventually you'll be forced to rest anyway. And another point that like the research has kind of shown with CrossFit is that I agree with you in regards to like the people that are like experienced with CrossFit and you kind of overdo it. And then I think there's also novice people that, these are complex movements that you really have to do multiple repetitions. Like you're not going to get that motor pattern down in the first few months. And those are the ones that, you know, try to load up too quick 
and they, you know, their eyes are bigger than, you know, their muscles and, you know, that kind of breaks them down and, and leads to injuries as well. And if a good coach should be stopping those people from overloading too quickly, if you come in Nate, and you're like, just going for it and I'm watching your form inconsistent refs, sloppy, whatever. And I let you keep doing that. In my opinion, that's on me. Like I should be responsible for that. Now, I know sometimes I give people advice, you know, Hey, I would not do this another set of this, or I would lower the weight. Sometimes they don't always listen, but that's pretty rare. But I, I think, you know, those for especially for new people that are doing the complex lifts, it's on the coach to have, you know, the, you know, rapport with them to have that conversation and tell them that, you know, at least while you're on duty, you're not going to let them do something you think is reckless and dangerous. And, I don't know if they, and I think that goes back to the seeing and correcting. You've got to be able to see, you know, if you're a good coach, you got to be able to see what's going on, what's going wrong, help them fix it. In some cases, it means lighten the weight or stop going up in weight before, until they've corrected the movement faults. Cause, because that will, you know, sometimes that thing of loading the bar too quick, too heavy, too fast, too often leads to pretty serious injuries at times, not just sore calves and, you know, a, a chiropractic adjustment, it's herniated disc and, you know, I don't know, something worse. I don't want, I don't want to jinx anything, but, but I put that stuff on the coach a lot of times, unless somebody is just being reckless and not listening. Coach tells you once or twice and you don't listen, I guess that's on you. I think that's a good point that, you know, that's why I think it's important that people get coached you know i feel like there's a lot of people that you see at planet fitness or one of those you know the global gyms where people are just trying to lift weight without any proper form and you know they're the ones that i think are at more at risk even though like, oh. even though maybe crossfit looks dangerous from the outside you're always having someone that has eyes on you at least and if you're someone that is new to working out you know, I, I would much prefer someone go to CrossFit where they have someone with their eyes on them and can scale down the workout and have them do something really well versus be like, I'm just going to spend the $10, $15 workout. And then like, then they come to me and they're like, this is what I was doing. And I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like what it looked like? And you're, you're just like, yeah, no wonder why you're hurt. Yeah. No, I mean, I think CrossFit done well can change your life potentially crossfit done recklessly can injure you for life you know i i think 10 years ago uh there was a lot of injuries in crossfit there was a lot of new gyms people inexperienced coaches trying to do a good job they helped a lot of people and unfortunately there were a lot of injuries you know and i don't even know what a lot you know but, but a lot of things that could have been prevented i would guess but yeah and i think like if if you're coaching well and you're prepping your clients warming them up properly prepping them in detail the risk is very low and then also you know just a coach that understands biomechanics and and you know good people skills so they can communicate well with you know mem members on what's going well and what's not that makes sense you know and that just prevents the injuries i've had a handful of minor medium minor injuries i don't know i don't know what the grade of injuries are but a lot of more things that could have been prevented if i had been resting more or if i had just been allowing myself to be coached better i was doing a lot of crossfit at one time where i was like competing and uh but i'd be training on my own i wasn't really like i'd ask you know somebody to give me a tip here and there but i was like, kind of doing the, the self-teach which is terrible uh practice by the way 
do not recommend. <laughs> and I've learned since then, wow, just having a coach, having someone tell me a little bit, I see this happening and then I'll be like, oh, really? And then, you know, I know if I'm as being a coach, what I can do to correct it. But I would have saved myself so many little scares of, seri- you know, semi-serious or little tweaks, injuries. If I had listened, um, or I could have prevented, you know, I would have rested more. I would have had a coach that told me, hey, the reason your forearm is chronically strained is because you don't stop. <laughs> um, things like that, you know. But, you know, Todd, who, I don't know if you've met Todd, who runs our Olympic lifting program. No, he I definitely, what's it, bud? You know, I said I haven't met him yet. Okay. Oh. Well, for example, you know, some of his clients that he trains go literally to the CrossFit games. But Todd still has a coach coach him. Um, he has somebody that he pays for programming. He has somebody who kind of evaluates his lifts and his performance, like workout to workout. Um, I think that's a, you know, a great example of like, and he says that coaches need coaches. Um, and that's how I think we avoid the complacency sometimes in our own training. But when you're being coached, you also remember what it feels like to have certain conversations, how it doesn't always feel great to be told, Hey, that wasn't good enough. You have to low, you, you're going to hurt yourself. And it's like, Oh, my ego. But if you understand, you have a good feeling about how that happens. It's again, easier to have that conversation with a member or a client because you kind of understand what it's like. That, that makes sense. You know, it makes perfect sense. We should all be trying to strive to get better. And, you know, I think going to you, like, I feel like I'm always getting, whether it's coaching the nutrition aspect or coaching the movement you know, I feel like I'm held accountable. I feel like that's really what we all kind of need is someone to hold us accountable because I think that makes me like, oh, if I like have a crappy eating weekend, I'm like, well, you know, maybe that explains why, you know, I uh, burned out this morning, you know, didn't yeah. sleep well last night. You know, you can just look at like the sleep, the nutrition, and just like nothing lined up. And then you're like, no wonder why, you know, you only made two rounds out of three. And you're like, damn. Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be things like that, like the nutrition. It could also just be we got like we're talking about training too much. Like some days you need rest. It's awesome when you have a great day, you're well rested, and you hit a workout, and you just get a peak performance, and you feel good. You had a great fast time, and you lifted a heavy weight. But to do that day in and day out is nearly impossible. I guess if you you could take up steroids, that might help. Um, but uh, you know, so sometimes you're going to have great performance, maybe even a couple of days in a row, but then just because of the natural fatigue, you're going to start having poor, bad performances or, you know, and it's just part of the process. And that's usually a sign, Hey, I need a rest day. When you start to see a decline in performance, you let your body recover. Then obviously, yeah. When it comes to like accountability, I know that like as coach, you know, knowing that I have people that are trusting me to give them sound advice, it holds me accountable because I want to look the part. I want to be able to perform. I want to be able to some people say something along the lines of like, um, I want to learn to do a muscle up. And I say, great, you know, you know, here's what you need to do. But imagine if like, I wasn't even able to do one myself because I don't keep my own training, you know, consistent and on point. I, yes, it's possible that a coach can coach somebody to do something that they can't. But aside from just being, I don't know, maybe older or, you know, a guy who doesn't competitively bodybuild anymore could probably still coach somebody to competitively bodybuild if you get that example. But, you know, they should also still be able to squat below parallel and maybe do, you know, some dieting and do some uh, regular exercise. Do you know what I mean? I think the same thing is true in CrossFit or any type of personal training setting. You know, like it's ideal if the coach can do the movements they're coaching. 
even if it's not like on a competitive level or multiple reps over and over again, you know? So I try to hold myself accountable to that. It's kind of like that walk the walk mentality. Yeah. I think that's kind of something that I've started to use with my patients and it's not so much like the walk the walk, you know, like I think it's kind of like the idea that there's things that I will steal from CrossFit and apply it to my patients. And it's like, I know this works because I've done it. And I think that's kind of like, kind of what you're talking about. Like, you're like, if someone's like trying to learn a muscle up and you're like, this is where, what I struggled with. I know exactly what that feels like. And you can kind of yeah. walk them through it. So that brings me to my next question. Um, you know, what is your experience uh, with some of the members and like their rehab? Because I feel like being on the rehab end and especially my experience working with like some other CrossFit members is that we do an awful job loading our patients and they go and like people will come to the physical therapy and they'll be like, TheraBand is not going to help me get back to snatching or squatting or, you know, doing those muscle ups. I'm just kind of curious to see what your thoughts are and like what your experience are. And it kind of, if it kind of parallels what I think. Well, so my, I've only had a limited personal exposure to physical therapy. Um, and uh, one time I, in college, I, you know, playing football, I had torn my labrum in one shoulder and I had separated my AC joint in another shoulder. Both of those times when I was rehabbing or whatever you want to call it, they had me come in and do looking back seems like essentially worthless exercises like on these little routines where I was like like moving my arm in a certain way and I didn't a I didn't know why they was doing I didn't know like is this healing something like is this a creating a movement that will correct something you know what I mean I didn't know why I was doing it which was looking back actually kind of frustrating because I would have probably taken it more seriously if had I known this is serving this purpose you know blah 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 even knowing what I know now I don't really think like there's probably a dozen other things I would have done or could have done a little bit at a time. If I felt like, I don't think the doctors or the rehab were very concerned. They're like, Oh, this guy, you know, get him through the process, do the shoulder exercises according to our program and then send him on his way. Like sometimes they would just leave me alone. I wouldn't even know if I was doing it right or whatever. I've also seen it with like, I had a client a couple of times. He had like, he was older. He's like about 70. I think he started having a chronic condition with his shoulder and I, I didn't know why. I guess he had, he had trip fallen, and then he started having shoulder pain regulating certain movements, especially when he got really extended. And so he was going to this physical therapy, and he was following their routines. And but a lot of times he was telling me they'd put him in a room, they'd put stim on him, put him up in the machine or whatever for twenty minutes. They'd leave him there. He'd just sit there and like it'd stim, stim, stim or whatever. They'd come back, they'd unhook him, and he'd be done. All right, you're good for today. And it's like a ninety dollar visit or whatever it was. And he just like was this is bullshit. They're just putting me through the system. But that guy in particular has just had that same shoulder thing. And I make sure I, when we're training him not to make it worse. Cause I don't, you know, I try to stay within scope of practice. I don't pretend to know, like I can see in there as doctors say that there's no visible damage on MRIs. There's no visible damage on x-rays. So in some of those cases, I asked him about PT experience. I, I just don't have enough to know, like in the ones I've had seemed a little, now, obviously no disrespect obviously there's a place for obviously pt is helping a lot of people but just in my experience it's kind of been like a little put you through the system and whether you're actually getting or is a as a person who's at pt if you're actually learning what you're supposed to do to rehab your shoulder or whatever the other thing is i don't know if people are regularly does that make sense yeah i mean that basically 
you're basically stating all my frustrations with my my profession um, okay. because I feel like strength and conditioning principles should be consistent from like the illness to the wellness to the the fitness spectrum you know and we for some reason we don't apply them you know like I feel like so like I've taken plenty of courses like I've taken you know I literally took the CrossFit level one course just so I could learn how to move people better how to kind of give them those cues because like we don't really learn how to cue people how to squat how to cue people to you know press overhead or just like the variety and making it appealing each time you go and not doing the same cookie cutter thing or like putting someone on stem every single time you know i feel like there's people don't find the value because it's the same thing over and over again and they're not being explained things and you know that's something that i feel like hopefully with my practice you know i start to develop some of those apply some of those crossfit principles of like the of the functional movement you know the constantly varied so that people one enjoy coming and two actually get better yeah and i I definitely and i should say like just for the record i don't know the things of physical therapists so i i don't know how to rehab certain injuries and i and i because i respect people that have i i am big education big continuing education person i am constantly attending seminars zoom you know whether they be online i take courses I have a nice budget every year that goes, you know, tax deductible budget that goes towards continuing education. And so it has opened my eyes to the so many things I don't know. And so I try to stay within the scope of practice and mostly that being injury prevention as well as like, you know, inevitably performance. So like when I'm like, I don't know if the exercises I was doing when I was in rehab were perfectly great or not. And that was frustrating. Like, if I, you know, I think it would be, it goes a long way to me helping myself. If I'm attending your PT, if you just tell me why this is going to help me, why you show me how this makes a difference in my body, what we're trying to avoid, what we're trying to accomplish. And then I'm like, Oh, I start to buy more into the, my own rehab. Mm-hmm. But like, if I'm sitting there and you know, you just leave the room and tell me to do this thing with a ball out in front for so long, I'm like, why? Like, I mean, no offense. It seems silly to me. I tackle people <laughs> every day, you know, like, what does this do? I, you know, that, that was kind of some of my frustration. I think that ties back to your principle of just like being present, like what you guys try to do as trainers, right? Is Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Yeah. That's totally a presence and attitude thing. Yeah. You gotta show up and, and like you, and I think, you know, like anytime you work with customer service, you're not going to be on every single time like it's exhausting to be in front of people and try to be the the same mood you know like i'm pretty even keel guy like i don't get too high get too low but even at the end of the day you know you go home and you're just like i don't want to talk to anyone you know like i felt like you had to put on a front for you know eight hours but it's like it's hard to be present and i can understand that but there's no reason that you know that you should walk away from you know a patient or a client or a member and have them feel like they were forgotten about I mean, as a, as a personal trainer and trainer, you know, even across the class, like you shouldn't be walk away from your clients ever, hopefully though. But yeah, I think people sometimes get caught up in that whole, like you're trying to make money, right? So you're trying to see multiple clients within an hour, maybe multiple clients at once to increase revenue. And that's like, in many cases throughout all of society, when money starts to become the forefront reason you're doing an action, 
it starts to diminish the actual product to the quality of the product. Um, I would assume anyway, at least, you know, I think in my client's case that I use the example of, you know, I know I actually knew that PT a bit. I know that she was seeing like, you know, anywhere from like six to seven clients an hour. I don't know if that's normal, but you know, so someone would be in there for like 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, but that's quite a lot of people. No, I don't know what normal is in the PT space, but yeah. So I try to see a max of two people every 45 minutes. Okay. And, but when I was working in the hospital back in Binghamton, I had two people every half hour with a PTA. So like I could have three to four or five patients at once. And it's just, it's just too much to keep track of, you know? And that's one of the things where someone that's like a CrossFitter who needs instruction or who has higher demand and like wants to be motivated, you can't give them the attention that they're expecting because it's just so hard and just from a logistics standpoint and they want to be coached and cued and, and you just know that like, if, if I saw a CrossFitter at my last job, I just know like I wouldn't be able to give them a good service because like one, I didn't, one, we don't have most, I feel like most PT clinics, they don't have a barbell. So you're not even going to load them up close to like what produces their pain. Yeah. yeah. And so if you can't reproduce their pain, how are you going to fix it or like see what they are when they're under tension? So I th- I feel like that's kind of where we do a disservice to a lot of higher level athletes is we don't actually get them to the point where we can see how they actually move. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, because when you have CrossFitters, especially people that are like really into it, or they like to do the competition side of it, they will actually do nine times out of 10, the drills and the homework stuff you give them to keep, you know, if it comes, it's a shoulder or an elbow, whatever drills and things you're telling them as a PT to do to keep them from not getting another shoulder injury or impingement or an elbow hyperextension or whatever, they'll do those drills. I know that like sometimes you get some out of shape person who probably does not take care of themselves in any way. And you feel like you're just, I would imagine maybe spitting in the wind, giving them like advice on their, you know, how to bend better. Or the actual people that are coming in fit, they'll do the stuff. Like that's that's why they're like in you know their attempts to take care of their bodies. What probably got them hurt, ironically. Um, so I, I think if you know someone's treating like CrossFitters or really anyone who's a big fitness enthusiast, it's very likely that they're going to follow your advice and trust you. That's why they're there. Um, I know I would. Um, just you know, I don't want to have an injury if I got a you know, nagging neck or whatever, I want to do whatever I can to get rid of it. So even if you give me weird drills, I don't always understand. I want the pain to go away. So I'm going to do it. However, if you can't explain it, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, I think you nail it on the head, you know, like if you with CrossFitters or anyone that's like high level, that's motivated, they're going to do the exercises. And if they're doing the exercises and they're not getting better, then you're probably failing them or it's something that or you got to refer them out and be like, this is something I can't fix. Yeah. Um, and then you need to get them to, you know, an orthopedic that can possibly do surgery or, or, you know, I think half the battle with PT is knowing when, when to treat. And then more importantly, when not to treat and get people in the right hands. And I think that's one of the things that I build a lot of like good trust with my patients is that, you know, I'm pretty honest when I know like, oh, this doesn't make sense. I'll, I need to get you someone else. And, you know, people appreciate just being honest. 
Yeah, there's a lot of times where, you know, there's been different points in my life where I think people think because of my personal trainer that I know how to fix all these things in the body that go wrong. And I'm like, well, I probably know more about how to prevent that from happening than I do about how to fix it when it does happen. You know, like if somebody's got, you know, I don't know, MCL or a meniscus thing problem. My whole thing with training you was to make sure you don't do anything that causes a meniscus tear. I really don't know what to do as far as healing it I have a couple ideas, but, you know, I wouldn't pretend that, no, I'd say, you know, you need to see someone who specializes in this, you know what I mean? And then we can do go based off what they say and then try to make it better. But referring people out is, I, <laughs> I don't know if I do it more often or if I'm just better at identifying things that I don't know about, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I try to refer people out when I, you know, especially when people have like nagging injuries. Well, Thankfully, that doesn't happen too often, to be honest, but when it does. Yeah, and it builds trust, and people trust you even more, and then when they'll come back to you. I think that's the big thing, is that it'll pay off down the line. Yeah, it's very good. To, you know, I know people like you, people like Mike and Sarah Penkin over at Pinnacle Hill, like people that you know that like understand like what we're doing, and they understand people and, you know, their habits of like exercise like you were talking about, you know, PT people who don't work out or don't squat, like how can they help someone who has a squatting injury? Um, where like people like you or, you know, Penkins and stuff, they actually do train, they work out, they understand kind of maybe the mentality or the lifestyle that comes with like the fitness enthusiast. And so I can trust them to be like, Hey, I don't know what they're going to tell you, but I'm pretty sure, you know, it'll, it'll be something that we can, you know, work on or like it'll be something that actually is relevant to you it's not going to be oh your leg hurts when you squat don't squat anymore that's like what a, i feel like my primary care doctor has told me things like that before and i was like okay well i'm not going to not do that so uh do you have any other advice yeah here's kind of on like an aside and then we'll wrap it up but like i just had an email, i just had an email today uh she had her hip replaced and the doctor was like no pt for six weeks basically was like you can't lift your leg you can only walk. And then she like started walking more. And then he told, then when she had her follow-up, she told her how much she was walking. And he was like, who told you to walk that much? And I was like, you literally told me to walk. That's all you told me I could do. Meanwhile, in my four years of being a PT, I've never had a patient that hasn't come to PT like right after a hip replacement. And I'm like, mm. yeah, you're still in pain because you're weaker because you haven't done anything over six weeks. You know, that you're becoming atrophy. Yeah. And then- I'm like he's like you can't do any soft tissue work i was like how are you gonna get rid of your pain you know you're being inactive is what's actually causing pain like if you just stayed active and kept moving like you'd be fine by now and i'm like but i can't tell her that but i'm like in my head i'm like god damn like this is gonna be an uphill battle but we'll get this right i once i once was trying to work with a chiropractor on like some you know business to business like relationship we we're talking about like our training style and like uh he's a chiropractor and i'm sure he's been doing it for a long time and he knows a hell of a lot more about the spine and body probably than i do but he had a philosophy about people he didn't believe people should run he thought running was too much impact on the hip joint it caused problems running was bad people shouldn't run even if he was right about that it is impossible for me to just suddenly go to the gym and be like, all right, guys, running is no longer good for you. We can't do it anymore. 
and because he didn't want me to have clients run i'm like some of my clients run for enjoyment like I, I can't like tell them not to run and it just became so impractical i can't apply even if he's right his philosophies to the membership of people that i you know cater to and uh it was just shocking to see like someone who like i'm sure you know a ton about the body and health and for that to be the advice i was just confused like i, I still to this day i'm like i i don't know what to do <laughs> like uh, as far as addressing that with him but needless to say we haven't done much business but yeah, I mean, I think running is, I mean, obviously running rates, injury rates are probably a little bit higher than CrossFit injury rates, but you know, I just, I think it's a very similar mindset. Like you're not going to tell a person that loves to run, not to run. Like you're going to find a way to modify it. And a person yeah. like CrossFit, like you can't tell them not to do CrossFit. You got to figure out a way to modify. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, there's the whole social aspect you know, it's a community and you take away that, then, you know, then it's not just a physical injury, you know, then it's become kind of like an emotional, mental, you know, like the, that fear of missing out on things. Can you imagine if no one, if you got injured and then you, you know, you couldn't be part of, you know, the slip and slide last weekend. So. Yeah, dude, that slip and slide might've hurt me more than any workout I've done in a while. My next day, my legs were like bruised from hitting the ground so hard, <laughs> but it was awesome. Yeah, we did that, and uh, when I was living in Long Island, we had our back, it was like part grass, part sand, and whenever you'd slide on it, if you got onto, like, the sand and the grass, it just kind of destroyed your stomach, and you're like, oh, goddamn. Oh, man, yeah, that could be rough. But it was fun, though. You know, you did a couple times, and you're like, all right, that was worth it. Yeah. All right, so to, to wrap it up, some rapid-fire questions. Sure, sure. So I know you said you have a big con ed budget and you've taken a lot of courses. Is there one course that you would recommend? Maybe, I know you, you kind of mentioned that there's, you've taken several. Um, is there one that you think, or a couple that you think would be beneficial for someone that's kind of looking to either get into CrossFit or just like expand their uh, strength and conditioning knowledge? Well, if, if someone is a CrossFit coach, so I think the types of continuing education a person should be doing depends on the type of coach they'd be. The idea that uh, a coach can coach anyone or for anything, I, I think isn't true. Like I don't like coach high level competitive athletes. Like, I guess I could, like I could learn to do that. But I, I don't think like my knowledge base and actually what I enjoy to do, I like working with average Joe people who want to be healthy and fit above and beyond. So I think like if I wanted to dive into specifically that type of clientele that was like high level super performance, there's a certain set of classes and courses I would start taking. So if you're like in CrossFit and you're just looking to be a great CrossFit coach, you're looking to help the most amount of people. I think um, there's like a coach's development course, the guy named Jason Ackerman in the best hour of their day they're somewhat popular they offer a very good program that helps newer coaches in particular really kind of learn the basics but in detail and then if even if you're an experienced coach it helps it helped me organize how i taught other coaches how to teach um and help you know really refresh some of the fundamentals that i knew to be true but maybe like weren't doing as regular so that that coaches development course by uh jason ackerman and the best hour of their day crew I think it's really good. I, as far as like sports performance, there are many, I think um, 
like if you're trying to like become a better performance coach, you need to spend time with learning from people who have already done it at the highest level. A lot of people that are retired Olympians teach good Olympic lifting courses, like live seminars you can go to for a couple hundred bucks. You know, they're out there. There's lots of different names, different people doing them. You know, if you want to learn to be a better swimming coach, go find someone who has swam at a high level and is offering, you know, whether it's an online thing or whatever. Um, and then just kind of learn from them. I think that kind of experience, because you can ask questions directly that relate to more practical settings. The only types of coaching or the only types of certifications you're continuing at, I think, are sometimes a waste of time nowadays. Are those like, like personal trainer certification courses? I know that like for insurance reasons, a lot of times you need to be certified by like a credentialed company, but everything that those courses that I've seen, and I've taken a couple of them offer are free. It's free on the internet. You want to learn how to use certain machines in the gym. You want to like understand how like the bicep curls, the elbow. It's, it's very free to learn. If you spend the time, a lot of that stuff is just basic kinesiology and biomechanics stuff that you learn. I guess if you take a college course, you know, if you're into, well, if you're in college, you know, those are the courses you want to go down. You have to go down depending on your degree. I just think some, a lot of stuff is some courses, some certifications that are, I don't think they make you a better coach. I think they give you a fancier piece of paper. Yeah. I have two, I have two points after that. Um, first, have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting, the movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's that scene in the bar where uh, Matt Damon is talking to the guy who like went to Harvard and he's like, you could have learned this by going down to the local library for, you know, 99 cent late fee. Instead, you spent like $4,000 on thousands of dollars on your education just for a piece of paper. Like that, like that comment just reminded me of that for some reason. I think, I think in that movie too, he was making the point that uh, it, there are some people that live their life by reading it out of a book and then there are people who live they learn things by living their life yeah and then my second point being is like i have pretty much my cscs which is like the certified strength and conditioning you just take a test right so like there's i feel like a lot of these personal trainer courses like you just take a test but there's no actual in-person looking at people move i think that was the one thing like my takeaway with like the level one you're actually watching and assessing people and you're such a better, like you have such a better grasp on concepts. And I think that kind of proves your point. Like you're just kind of learning didactic knowledge, but you know, some of these other things that you kind of mentioned are probably a lot better at actually applying. And that's the more important part. You know, you can learn something on, in, on paper, but like, can you actually apply it to the person in front yeah. of you? And so like when I made the point of like, what makes you a good coach? Like I talked a little bit about seeing and correcting you know, having someone there to show you what to see and correct makes a huge difference. Like I might know that, Hey, your knees aren't supposed to go here on a push jerk or whatever. But if, if somebody is there to show me when it's happening, this is what happens when this happens. And this is what happens when this, and you kind of see the kinetic chain, it's a lot easier to learn. And then you just learn, you know, versus like you could study the material, read it, hear about it, understand theoretically what it's supposed to be and then not see it live in person. And I, that's disappointing, you know, I think that's like where you learn from an actual person when you're reading just out of books, just in theory and not in practice, it's very hard to actually learn. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I've definitely learned 
in being a physical therapist, you know, there are certain things that you just get with experience because you can't, you can't learn it in a book. And experience uh, is probably one of the most important things to learn all the books in the world until you actually do the action of coaching and trying to, that's where you actually learn. I mean, so I think, I think CrossFit in general, like CrossFit HQ, they recommend several very good preferred, they call them preferred courses that are educational, continuing education, uh, pieces everything from rowing to jump ropes to weightlifting to metabolic conditioning to nutrition coaching any of those are i think very good uh, i've done most if not all of them some of them are online courses some of them are in-person seminars but anyway all right next question this is kind of like uh just kind of like a fun one so it's kind of like based on like the you know like the the mary fuck hill concept yeah. But this one's like, you know, you go with the person, you go with that person for drinks, you could do a partner wad with them, or you just like, I'm just gonna ban this person from the gym. So the first person is the three type of people, a person that works out in sweaty, stale gym clothes, a person that never puts their weights away, and then a person that takes selfies in the mirror uh, between every rep. No, it's bad. I am the guy who doesn't put his weights away very well. The worst part of every workout is picking up all my equipment and putting it back. So that guy I'm going to work out with because he's, he's working hard during the workout. He doesn't have the energy to put his weight back at the end. Now that in a commercial gym is possibly the most fucking annoying thing on earth. But in a CrossFit gym, eventually I'll get my weights put back. It's just I'm very, very tired. It takes me maybe a half an hour or more after the workout to get it done. Uh, you know what? If, uh, if the guy that's taking the selfies in the gym, he better look good. He might be a great wingman, so maybe I could go out with drinks with him. You know, might be a good-looking guy. You know, attract some other people. The smelly guy's got to go, though. Come on now. <laughs> like, there's no room for a smelly guy, like at the bar or at the gym. I mean, come on. It's summer or like twice a day now. <laughs> so I think this is this is how I would do it. So the, the sweaty guy in still gym clothes, I'd probably work out with because I'd be like, all right, I smell. So like, he'll, he'll, I know I smell. So like, he'll, he'll hide the smell. So like, I'll put it off on him. Uh, <laughs> for, for drinks, I think I'd, I'd probably definitely ban the selfie guy. I'd be like, I, I just can't do it. Um, and then I'd probably just get drinks with the guy that can put the weights away. Cause they're like, like you said, like, oh, I'll, I could get over that, you know? <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't such a chronic, like, uh, not wanting to put my bar away or like, there are so many times where I'm like, if somebody wants 20 bucks to clean up my bar, I'll give it to them before they leave. <laughs> like, but no one ever does. And then the, uh, the last question, if you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? It'd be hard to pick one person per se, but I, I'm a big, like, uh, I'm very big into history. I love history documentaries about people or about certain events that happen and the one thing that like fascinates me are these types of people who probably for a lot of the ones i'll give examples of like to their own detriment like went out of their way to stand in the face of things they either morally disagreed with or politically took a stand like for example obviously like martin luther king jr probably i i think that's he's probably one of the bravest humans that's ever existed on earth i mean it cost him his life you know, what he did for civil rights. I think to just sit and talk with somebody who has that kind of real genuine bravery, who 
you know, died for a cause he believed in that much. You know, I think the Kennedy brothers, you know, JFK and brother Robert, I mean, Abraham Lincoln, I think even who's still living, uh, Jim Brown, you know, he basically gave up his NFL career so that he could take part in civil rights. And I'm not like a big political person. I know a lot of these people are politician related, but it just, you know, it's people that stand up for things in the face of just belligerent adversity, things like in these people's cases, you know, a lot of them were killed for standing up for what they believed in. Um, I, I admire that. And I don't think there's anything, I think just to be around people of that caliber would be beneficial to have dinner with, you know, there's people that stand up in smaller ways that are probably just as worth having dinner with, but that's, that's what comes to mind. Like if I could only have dinner with one person, I'd want it to be someone whose character is going to rub off on me in that way. So, you know, it's interesting. I watched a documentary on like Bobby Kennedy and he and I think MLK died the same year. I think it was like uh, 68, 69. I know Martin Luther King was in 68, I think, because JFK was what, 63? So that was, that was uh, John Kennedy, but his, his brother yeah. was the president. Um, yep. But they were both like the, the champions of like the civil rights movement. So you had the black representation with MLK, but then across the aisle, you had you know, Bobby Kennedy, who was at that time, the white face of civil rights and like, and then just in a matter of a year to have them both wiped out, like you just wonder how much progress was stopped because you lost two figures like that. Human society was probably robbed of, because I mean, if you just look at Martin Luther King, what he did in the time he was alive, can you imagine if he'd had 30 or 40 more years to exist? Like, it's sad really to think about that. I mean, also, you know, when you, you're a person of faith, you know, sometimes you just do enough, you know, you fulfill a purpose of life, you know, maybe you only need a certain amount of time, but like, you know, like even in the case of Abraham Lincoln, like if somebody who is remembered now is an exceptional world changing type of person, but in his time period, he was one of the most hated people ever. People think he was like popular in the North. He was like the most hated president that ever existed. They killed him over it, obviously. But he, you know, he just stood up his, you know, stood his ground on his, what he believed was right. And that, that's just something that, you know, those kind of people are who, you know, they're probably, they might not even have like the most interesting things to say, but I bet, you know, what they do say is of high value. And that doesn't mean they're perfect people. I'm sure, you know, JFK, you know, JFK was known for some faults, you know, wasn't the perfect man, but when push came to shove, he still stood up for what he morally believed was right in spite of, all criticism and that's the kind of stuff i admire there's some people like politicians or whatever that i don't necessarily agree with but i can actually kind of admire that like hey this person stands for what they believe and i can hear their thoughts and ideas without always having to agree with them or even like reject them it's just hey that's them that's this thing and so people who are willing to stand up for the things they truly believe in their hearts not just because someone else told them I, i admire that yeah, I think that's something that as you get older, I think you start to kind of be a little more firm in your beliefs. You're like, this is what I believe. And then, you know, if you don't agree with me, you don't have to agree with me. But like, you kind of start to respect someone else's viewpoint because they're that firm in their beliefs. And yeah, like a lot of people, like uh, just because you believe in one thing doesn't mean you're against another. Like if you're 
happen to vote for this person it doesn't mean you hate everyone who voted for the other person which i feel like is being spun into our faces a lot the way society is now but we don't need to go down that rabbit hole knowing what you believe and what you're willing to stand for i think is an important part of just being a (laughs) grown-up no that's why a lot of those people are the people i admire go to dinner with yeah i think it's i think that's a great list well matt it was a pleasure talking to you yeah thanks for having me on uh hopefully i didn't rant too much i've got a lot of ideas and opinions i think sometimes so hopefully i didn't get carried away thank you for listening to the cross talk podcast the music was produced by scott holmes i'm your host nate reynolds you can find more great content on the energy.health instagram and also on my website energyhealth.fit until next time continue to prioritize your health